0: to behind the sport this is episode number 54 brent how are you fantastic man absolutely fantastic uh
1: buzzing after the weekend's racing and uh looking forward to everything we've got coming up
0: yep you know was some fantastic racing i think that race meet that we just had was probably one of the most exciting ones i've actually uh been to in the last um, 12 months it was great there's like categories were pretty full Um, apart from the radicals, but you know, that they're all over race competing. Um, and every other category, yeah, put on a really good show of racing. Everyone from excels, historic streetcars, sports sedans, um, formula racing, which I have been told they're getting a new name again. Um, so we won't say anything about that. Um... (laughs) Yeah, and um, <laughs> bit of a bit of a change in the uh, in the uh, commentary down there with uh, Vaughn Brewer sitting up in the cat tower, which is where they used to broadcast from a few years ago, and um, the rest of them sitting over there. So yeah, and a presentation's down in pit lane, um, added to the you know bit of bit of activity for the supporters of the drivers and the spectators that were down there. So uh, yeah, loved it. Absolutely loved it.
1: Yeah, Saturday was extremely busy. I thought that was um, that was pretty cool, and um, to see cars lining up to drive in is uh, something uh, we don't often see. So that's uh, that's pretty cool. You know, it's always cool coming around turn one and seeing seeing cars on the hill and people on the hill watching. So it's a uh, pretty good thing.
0: Yeah, and hopefully that'll just keep uh, growing throughout the years. I mean, it's been. Oh, since what February March February early March uh, since one of raced so has had the couple of months or few ones off actually. Yeah,
1: um, and we were, yeah we were blessed with some great weather, except for the uh, little splash we had for the XL race, which has uh, you know created some some actually really exciting racing. And there was no real car, you know, like unfortunately, saloons had a a, a few uh, a few bingles. But other than that, there wasn't uh, there wasn't any real carnage across the day, you know.
0: No, no, no no, starting line fires, nothing like that. It was great.
1: Yeah, so, no, it was, it was good to see. Um, really was. And, you know, we've got June race meeting coming up, and then July, uh, the two-day race meeting in July is going to be uh, pretty packed. I just pray we have some really good weather for that because we've got, uh, you know, the XL Enduro, we've got the Trans Am National Round, um, and that's split across two days with lots of racing. So, you know, that's going to be a... Um, you know, ripper of a race meeting. Just pray we uh, don't get that July bad weather.
0: Yeah, well, we can only hope and pray to Zumba or whoever.
1: Whoever it is, whoever rain whoever it is. Um, you know, ask the old mate upstairs or the the six old mates upstairs. What do you got? Ask him.
0: Yep. Or if uh, you know, you're a bit more of a downstairs person. Yeah. What? What? Whichever way you swing, yeah. ask
1: your boyfriend, yep. your your husband your girlfriend, your wife, whatever way you swing, ask them to get the weather away for us, which uh, brings into our our guest for the evening who is used to foul weather.
0: Absolutely. And, uh, well, wasn't driving on the weekend, but was definitely there showing support for one of the categories in streetcars. And that's uh, Mr. Chris Chevrolet. How are you going?
2: Hello, mate. Yeah, not bad. Thank
0: you for having me. Did I uh, get your last name pronounced right? I can't
2: think I actually heard it. How did you say it? Shriveled. 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 No, that is shriveled. Shriveled. What (laughs) are you (laughs) saying? Yeah. A lot of people say shriveled. Shriveled. I've just given up. It doesn't matter.
0: Well, I mean, my my last name is Laurie, right? That's spelled L-A-W-R-I-E. So you can imagine what I get, yeah?
2: Lowry, Laurie. Laurie. Larry, Laurie. Yeah. Yep. Right. Yep. Anyway, it's just one of those. It's a, it's a weird one, but it's it's mine and I don't care.
0: Four and a half minutes in and I'm already trying to make it about me.
2: <laughs> well, that's why anyway. you have your own show, isn't it? You do, do these things. It's like, yeah, it's my part of I want.
0: Yeah, pretty much. Um, no, actually, that's uh, – we, we dribbled a bit more about motorsport in uh, – do actually do another podcast and uh, we've, we've finally settled on a name. I we'll do it with Sean McCabe and we've been going, you know, because we love motorsport and weekly motorsport update and all this. We've finally settled on a name and actually you two can give me some feedback about this before we get into the interview with Chris. Mm-hmm. We're going to call it the Weekly Leak. <laughs> yeah, I like it. I take it. Yeah. It'll grow. No, we'll you. put a bit of an oil, oil, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. you know, logo in there. Like we didn't want to call it. We're going to call it the weekly oil leak, but I think that's just a bit too much of a mouthful. No, yeah. just, so we we'll just go leak. weekly leak, and you know, a like bit it. of oil, and yeah. yeah, yeah.
1: No, I like it. I um, I hate leaks on cars. Like it's just one of those things I hate. And that damn yeah. white skyline of mine, it can't go two meters without something bloody leaking. So have you ever had a BMW? Uh,
0: well it's just got a lot, lot to on ask, but yeah. that was a good segue into um, asking Chris. So how's your how's your BMW going? Like is it It is, is it, coming it is
2: like a torture never given to another man, but we're close. We're close. Um, just it's just taken forever but a couple of weeks. I'll be out I'll be out of talk. That's what I'm planning for. So uh, the July meeting in a month. I just got a lot of stuff to do. There's still a big hole in the front, but um, Demo uh, Croxton at DC Autos has said we should be able to put it in not next week, the week after. So that's what I'm praying for. Okay. All right. So look, you're um, you're you're obviously
0: by the accent, you're a bit of an import into yeah. Australia. Yeah. When did you come over here?
2: Uh, long story short, I've been coming here probably twice a year since i was about 13 so uh originally came out here in 92 to see some of my dad's family and they loved it so they built a house out here in the vines in 98 and started coming here more and more so i pretty much yeah like i said i've probably done a couple of trips a year since since then um i went to uni here in 2003 four i think something like that can't remember a long time ago, for a couple of years. So did that, and then yeah, again back back and forth, back and forth. But so this actual time, about three and a half years. Okay, so that's it. I'm done. I'm not going, not going back. All my shit's here now. So I'm not. It's it's done. So um, cars here. The weather. Yeah. Wins you you try importing race cars into this country. You wouldn't do it again. It's not uh, not fun.
0: <laughs> well, I uh, have to make a note to remember to ask you about that a bit later. Okay. Now, um. This, the golden question, how did you get started in motorsport?
2: Uh, when I was about nine or 10, my dad bought me a boat and all I ever wanted to do was race offshore class one powerboats, which obviously I'm not a billionaire so it never happened, but I pretty much spent my eight, nine, 10 to about 13 just ragging boats everywhere I could. Um, then someone gave me a motorbike so i learned to ride motorbikes and did that as well um and that was always the plan i always thought no no i'll race something i'll race something but i was restricted by family law which i couldn't do it till i was 18. so i had to wait so bought turned 18 bought a bike started racing so uh, 96, seven. I can't remember what year, 96, 97, something like that. I started racing then. So a lo- long time ago, total different kind of time and world in terms of how you go racing. But, um, yeah, sort of podged through it. It's, and I'm still here. So all good. Um, what, what sort of motorbike were you? Did you start off racing? Uh, little Yamaha 400.
0: Okay, Um, and what sort of like series was that in, like local um, club meets?
2: No, so funny enough, it was a national series. Um, There's a club back home called Bemsy. It's a British motorcycle racing club. Um, It is the longest running motorsport club in the world. I cannot remember how many years, but it's like 100 and something, like forever ago, basically when they first started having motorbikes. Um, So I started with them um and i was in i think rookie 400s i think was the class back then um but yeah it was a bit of a baptism of fire because there wasn't the licensing and instruction that you have to do now uh we had a medical which no one even now it's saying that medicals, doctors don't even understand our medicals but we had a medical and they gave me a laminated piece of card with my name on it so i could race motorbikes and um that was it that was it so i'd not done any serious track time or anything and on the first day the people that ran the club just said i'll have two practice permits go for your life and they asked this guy to show me around uh but he left after about a corner so, so okay. it was, uh, it, yeah it was a real real kind of chuck in whereas i one of the I, they do it better now they, they do it better now even bikes and cars at least you have to have some kind of instruction and understanding what you're doing but you know it doesn't matter it's just just the way it was uh, it was done but um yeah a long time ago i was totally unprepared i would have to say you know Brent will laugh at my maintenance skills now but um I was worse as an 18 year old I know that so uh pretty good but it was it was good fun I remember it was my parents didn't want to support me financially but they were worried about me just going off so they rented me a van and they got me a hotel and the first night I got there it was uh friday or saturday night i went down with a mate of mine who was going to help mechanic for me and my girlfriend at the time and yeah just typical me fashion we left mega late we got to the hotel probably one two o'clock in the morning and had to leave at four or five in the morning to get to the track so not very long um and i remember when we came out the hotel manager was like you haven't been here very long and i remember saying to him no oh, I'm going racing, and I, I thought he must think I'm the coolest guy in the world. Actually, what I think he thought was me and my mate had been twos up on my girlfriend, and now as an older man, I think I've heard <laughs> that story. So, uh, yeah, but we made it. We did it and just, just raced around, didn't fall off. It's great, and I, I knew that's that was what I wanted to do. So um, I think we did two or three that year. All I wanted to do is get rid of my novice bid. We had to wear like an orange bib to show we were a rookie. Like you have to wear the P-plate thing here. Uh, yep. So I just, I did as many as I could. I realized I was bored of 400 already. So I bought a 750. Again, probably not the most advising thing to do, but I did it And <laughs> with that in, yeah, that would have been 97, maybe 98. yeah, did a full season, but just just running around, I had no idea. I didn't know about changing oil. I was so tired, I couldn't afford tires. So I had this trick. I'd go and sit by the tire guy and just start a conversation with him. And every time someone came in and changed the tire, I'd give him five quid for the takeoff because half the tire was mint because obviously bikes go around a corner, generally one side – yeah. So I was like, well, the rest of the tires, are all right. And he was like, yeah, cool, mate, five quid. So for a season, I used to race on a set of five quid tires every weekend. <laughs> I didn't know any different and it didn't really bother me. I'd finished like mid pack and it was like, yeah, yeah, no problem. No problem. It's only when people start telling you that you can't, that you realize you shouldn't, and now it scares the crap out of me. And I'm like, no, no, new tires, new tires, new tires. But back then, you know, ignorance is bliss. So 18, 18 year old and 18 years old and bulletproof as we all were. Yeah. Yeah, I think I crashed my second one, Um, and again, I was being a bit of a twat then, didn't bother hiring a van, rode to the circuit. I think I hurt my arm, had to ride home one-handed is what it is. The third one was the madness one. It it was up at Silverstone, which was about uh, two hours from my house, and it was October, November, so I rode again being just a twat and <laughs> i'm going up the m1 doing 100 mile an hour and my bloody rucksack falls off and it's got all my tools and everything in it so i pulled over to hard shoulder and again i I, well, I was I ran across picked it up jumped over into the middle and luckily there were no coppers or anything back in those days so and made it back and rode did my two races rode home but it was again you look at it how much was a van hire? probably 80 quid i should have just done that but I was stubborn and did it. So it's all good. It's all good. But then I started to get better after that, you know, started to do things properly. How far did you end up going with the motorbikes? Um, Um, So I I mucked around club level two, three years. Then I did what was called the CB500 Cup, which was a BSB support uh, championship. Uh, The idea was Honda wanted to bring up young talent, um and the first two seasons they did uh, you, you probably don't know but there's a couple of riders a guy called james Toseland, who was a world superbike chan- champion he won it first year james ellison the second year i can't remember the third year but it wasn't me i know that so um <laughs> again I, it was really good it was a good experience just because it was like the big show it's like supporting supercars basically um but again i just didn't have the right idea i didn't understand about maintenance properly i didn't understand about tire pressure properly so i just rode on pure luck really and at the end of the season i was just pissed off that i couldn't win but again in hindsight yeah, <laughs> probably with the right guidance i could have could have done something um but it was a laugh you know it's good times and we uh we did it i also had this stupid belief that i could still go out every weekend and race and I'd be fine. But, um, yeah, again, looking back, I'm, I probably should have had some weekends off doing stuff. Um, and then trying to think after that, I had a couple of years off. I actually went – saw this, I'm going to go race cars. So that's what I raced cars when I was 21. And then I went back to bikes later. Why you, why'd you leave bikes? Because I was like, I'm not going to – get paid to race bikes i'll go and see if i can get paid to race cars um so i went to um well back then the internet was very small um but i managed to find there were two schools for racing there was the jim russell school i think and there was the british racing drivers club school at silverstone so i got an amex card and paid three thousand pounds for a week's tuition and went and did that just yeah sorry it was half a year's salary or something at the time so I went and did that um at Silverstone for a week in snowy February and that's where I learned how to race cars so that funny enough was probably the best thing I ever did because it got over my whole not really understanding what I'm doing because they taught me everything um, what sort of a car did you get um, taught to drive in? Everything. So they had uh, Formula Firsts, Formula Fords. They had um, like hot hatches. I think they were three hundred six Peugeots. They had Caterham sevens. They had the Mondeos on the big arms, so they can do the skid pan stuff. Just really, really yep. in depth. Like, and it's kind of cool. I look back. I like. I learned how to heel toe on Hanger Straight. And it was snowing, and we just used to rag from one end to the other. And they just put a cone either end, and you go around the cone and come back. And again, you look at it now and you think, Well, we were just driving towards each other flat out, but (laughs) maybe, maybe it was okay. I I don't know. Maybe, yeah, this thing you just look back and think, Oh, maybe not, but you know, it was cool. And then so we just built up, and every day would just be a different thing. We'd have classroom, we'd be on the track, and they stuck an instructor on every corner and we used mainly the little stow circuit which is now next to the wing but then it was just in the middle so you could just do a lap it's tiny it's only probably length of the short circuit i would say so you can see the whole thing and they just stuck someone on every corner and you just they just pull you over you just go around and they just wave you You just stop to the side of the track and they're like no do this do that and you just figure it out really really quickly um and the same they had this catering seven they put slicks on the front and remolds on the rear and they just let us out on the runway and they're just like just slide the thing and we just it was just that kind of real push to learn um and at the end of it you had a race to get your odds so which is the i don't know what's what's the australian license called you do one here i can't even think um like get your cams license we had to do an arts test a road test and uh written test so we did that uh, and then we had a race uh which annoyingly i was supposed to race at the end of that week and i didn't have my paperwork in so i couldn't which at the time devastated me but i came back a couple of min, uh, a couple of months later and raced then so that was all good and i won my first race and i thought this is it i'll go and i spoke to the club about doing because they run a closed championship uh in formula fords mm-hmm. um literally a turn up and drive kind of thing and they're like yeah, yeah perfect you you'll be great you'll do really really well do you know the circus i was like yeah i've been racing bikes for a year." and they're like cool it's 30 grand and at the time i was earning 10. so it just wasn't gonna happen so I ran away devastated trying to figure out how the hell I'm going to become a professional racing driver, and um, <clears throat> there was no, no real way. So I think after that, that must have been 2001, 2002, then I came to Australia to go to uni, and I was watching the supercars, and there was a thing back then called Chance of a Lifetime. Yep. I entered that. And again, blind faith, it's $3,000. I flew to Sydney. Oh, no, before that. So I quickly flew home, had some tuition at Silverstone, flew back, flew to Sydney. My sister and her then boyfriend came. I was like, cool, um, stay in Sydney. I got to drive up to Wakefield Park. Friday's the qualifying day or Thursday was qualifying one day. And I was like, then I'll come back, pick you up. We'll go back Saturday, Sunday, I'll win. We're all good. Uh, yeah, obviously I um, didn't get through day one. <laughs> so <laughs> um, that was the end of my Australian driver's experience to get in the, the V8. So that was, that was fun fun. So after that, when I flew home, I, um, I got a job working on a bike magazine. And obviously, with that, I managed to convince someone to give me a bike to go racing. So that that was the first time I actually sort of not paid, but I didn't really have to pay a lot. I, I got a lot through the magazine, parts, leathers, helmets, all that. So I just had to write articles. So um, it was pretty cool. You know, I just go to suppliers and say, "Give me a set of rear sets. I'll do a nice review for you, and tell them about it in the race." And so I did that for a couple of years. Um, But then i had a crash at brown's hatch and broke my back and that was that um luckily not 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 serious serious but enough that i had to have a frame for three months so i promised my mum no more bike racing but obviously i did but only one only one. <laughs> yeah, it was awful. I, you know, so the funny thing is I'm lying in the hospital bed and I'm buying a bloody bike on eBay. I'm like, I'll do this, I'll do this, I'll be all right, I'll be all right. But, yeah, by the time I got out, I it, it would take a lot more balls and I've got to get my bike stuff sort, sorted again. So um, I haven't done any – after that one race, I haven't done any, any other than that. I still ride all the time. I'm still, you know, big bikes. There's no problem at all with that. I just haven't raced so that was God when I was I was twenty, twenty six. So it must have been uh, two thousand and eight or something like that. But yeah, so I'd say that's the kind of top peak I got in in the bike level.
0: In the uh, Australian um, chance of a lifetime. Mm. Do you remember any? Name, were there any names in that group you were with that perhaps uh, did end up? Getting
2: into them I have no idea. It's so long ago, man. I don't remember names very well, and it wasn't the kind of experience I particularly wanted to remember. So, <laughs> in my defense, I, I've since learned I'm not the quickest at adapting to a track straight away. I need a bit of practice, so I probably yeah. should have done some practice. Also, we were driving cars called a Dayu Lanos, I think. Yeah. Day, Dayu Lanos? Yeah. Maybe. Which... When I get in an Excel, I think this is this is pretty classy compared to a day you Lanos. They it was awful. Awful, awful. So um yeah, that's that's probably why. But um I should have done a bit of training. But again, we didn't have internet like now. There was no YouTube or anything for me to watch the tracks. So I just kinda looked to the map and I didn't learn it enough. And that's it. You know, I, I fully accept I did not have the talent on the day to uh get the trophy and get the the drive so that's it but what's kind of random now is if you look on um that's off my my laps are there oh yeah it's weird if you put my name in it's like that and then there's a 15 year or maybe 20 year gap to now so
0: i think that's going to be a little thing i'm going to have to look up while uh okay Chris is uh, sorry. it's While Brent oh, sorry, you're Chris. Um, <laughs> while Brent <laughs> having a chat with you. Um, so after your bikes, yeah. When how long after you know you're back and everything, did you decide to go go tin top racing again oh. or, or any? Or I guess four wheel. I shouldn't say tin top because I don't know when you where you went after that. So
2: no. So I had a had some time then. Um, so. I probably spent the next two or three years just at the tracks with all my mates, just racing, but not racing, you know, just still being in it. Um, and, but I was always like, look, I'll get back into cars because it's easy. I won't get hurt doing that. I was always good at cars. Um, but I just got to figure it out. And I can't remember what year it was now. 2010 I was coming back from the Nürburgring and I had a beautiful E36 M3 and um, I was on the way to meet my ex-girlfriend for the first date and it was raining, I was in a good mood and I flipped the bloody thing and ended up oh. in the trees so destroyed it, destroyed my collarbone I'm more sad about the car I Was that's my forever car but I'll Unfortunately, it's gone. So um, with my compo and insurance, I bought an E46. And I was like, yeah, cool road car, but I need to buy a race car. So I sold it and bought what started to become the car I have now. Uh, So this was, yeah, 2011, 12, maybe. Um, So, yeah, bought basically a rotten old E36, think I'll turn it into a race car. I think I had that. I spent loads of money. Originally, I was thinking I was going to go drifting because loads of my boys were doing that back home. And the car was cheap. And I was like, yeah, I'll have a go. This is fun. But as I started to build it, I realized that I wanted to go roundy roundy. That was my my real thing. Um, and I got it to the point where I was going to put a cage in, but it turned out the floor was all rotten. It was just a bad car. It was one of those cars that... Um, it's just hateful everything about it was hateful i hated it I hated being in it hated everything it just it had that bad personality it obviously been uh, touched wrong as a younger car so i um it didn't didn't work so i spoke to someone else who had a shell a cage shell which is actually the shell i have now and bought that off him for 1300 quid and then proceeded to move everything from the donor car into the new car, which is, is what it is. Um, the original shell, we sent to a scrap metal agent. We just smashed the crap out of it and sent it away. Uh, ironically, it's probably worth a lot of money now, but um, that's just, you know, just life. life. Um, and then, yeah, so finally it was finished in 2015 or 16. So, God, do you know what, it was probably 10 years between racing properly and properly, maybe nine, eight, nine, you know, that sort of time period. But it took, it took a while, took a while. Um, and then, yeah, so then I went and started racing BMWs. And um, what – I know you've mentioned the,
0: the, to me this before, but it was a one-make series that you raced in. Was
2: that to start with or was that yeah. down, the, down the track? No, no, no. Uh, it was just all BMWs. So there's yeah. actually there's a lot of just BMWs, but it's um, it's so it's a Kumho BMW series. So they are mainly sponsored by Kumho Tires, obviously. Um, and at the time, they had a four class structure. So and it was all done on power to weight ratio. Uh, they they put these little boxes in that actually measured how much power you had and obviously weighed your car every race. So they could monitor it really closely. Um, and I was in class B, which was 200 per ton or something like that. So pretty cool. But yes, all BMWs, all different various, you can, you know, different engines, different styles, do all that sort of stuff, but all, all BMWs. And so how
0: many different classes and that did they run underneath the one sort of category?
2: Just just four four. four 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 in there. So sure. it was A A B C and D. Uh, a is the 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 top boys. You know they're the sort of 400 horsepower E46 M3s. Uh, then B was was mine, which was basically like a stock M3 engine or three liter tuned. Then below that was C, which was I think 2.8s, So like an E36 2.8. And then below that was a class D, which I think was three one eights. Um, oh, and they also had another one. They had compact cups as well, which is like little E46 ones. So five all together. Okay. Um, and sometimes we ran it all together. Sometimes they separated the A guys because they had slicks. It all just depended on numbers.
0: Um, how did you,
2: how'd you go in that series? Good. Good. So first year, um, I got third in my classes in class B um, then year two, which was 2017, I won. So I got two two wins, two outright wins, and I think I was only off the podium once. Basically, what, about,
0: what tracks did you guys get to race at?
2: Uh, all of them, really. So Brands, Silverstone, Donington, Thruxton. Rockingham, uh, Castle Coombe. I think that was it with them. Oh, Orton Park as well. Orton Park. So, yeah, pretty pretty much D- different track every round. Eight, eight round championship, different track every round. Okay, and what what
0: sort of distances were you guys travelling in? Like to, um, well, I guess the furthest sort of track
2: distance. So from my house, so I, I'm, I was South South London. The furthest away was Alton Park, which was about four and a half, I suppose.
0: Yeah, wow. It's um, amazing, like because obviously the UK is a lot smaller mm. than Australia. So to do an eight round championship at different tracks in in Australia, you've
2: got. Days of travel. Days, yeah, I know. I, it's all I mean, all of ours is spaced if you think about it. We could do it in Perth to Bunbury. No, I'm a bit further. Maybe Albany. If you said Perth to Albany and you could put all our tracks together, um yeah. it made it a bit better. But it's it was nice. I like I love the travel. Uh, you know, I said to Brennan a million times I, I miss the weekend racing thing. You know, it's handy we race in one day here, but I liked being away. Like we had this whole community and, you know, you would get there mm. Thursday and everyone would set up their motorhomes and marquees. And you'd kind of make sure you picked a spot with all your boys and just set up and it's just cool. And you just stay there. And like, sometimes we'd go even longer. We'd go for testing a couple of days before and stuff. And you'd be there for like four or five days. You just all live in this little village. Yeah. You'd just
0: get so a little bit similar to the Collie setup, I guess.
2: A little, just a, a little bit except for everyone goes to hotels yeah. we we all stayed at the yeah. track so that that's the thing i miss because there's a lot more of that kind of campfirey feeling to it you know we'd finish racing and then we'd just cook some food or whatever and then just get drunk and sleep somewhere or other in a van or a car or whatever and i, I really miss waking up at racetracks that's the only thing but I'm not sleeping in one room just for the sake of it, but it, I really miss that. You, I'd sort of get up in the morning sort of before the sun comes up and I'd just go for a walk around the track and it'd just come up and you're like, I don't know, it's just just the coolest thing. Uh, it knocks your hangover off as well, but it just, I don't know. It's just, it's hard to oh, explain to people. Hopefully
1: Drew Watkins listens to this and we yeah. can, we can relive some of those moments that we've had doing dumb stuff in the past.
2: Exactly. Exactly. It just, just, you know, and, and because of that, we we just had this great community, but a bit different to here because the main club, which is the uh, British automobile racing club was much bigger than the WA Sporting Car Club. So we didn't yeah. mingle a lot with other categories. So you you might see one or two people the same, but there was never the same categories each weekend. Like a lot of the time we supported yeah. trucks or we supported uh brick car or something like that, but you didn't really intermingle with them. So we just stuck with our core. And because of that, it makes you very clicky, but you know, close. So that we had a real, real family kind of atmosphere, and like, like I say, someone would cook. My, my friend Paul back home, he likes to just cook. So he just bring a load of food and cook up for everyone. And, and I say we just just got hammered, just continuously, and just raced, and it was just just good, good fun times, good fun times. So, um, I've heard a bit of that hammering still happens uh,
0: with mojitos. Yes, and collie—they're ten bucks. Oh.
2: <laughs> Why wouldn't you? <laughs> But, I, think um, we, I
1: think we put the publicans' kids through university.
0: Yeah,
2: yeah. I, I think they don't want to put that sign up next time we go down because uh, they have to make them.
0: Yeah, yeah. The, um, I mean, look, you know, you guys could, you know, but with the streetcars side of thing, you know, you guys could make it
2: mandatory. Everyone has to sleep at the track for, you know. <sighs> it's a nice idea, but. We, no one's got vans, like you know. I had a transit van converted to a motorhome and stuff like that. It'd be be nice, but also I was at Winery the other day and no one else was there. It was like eight o'clock at night. That place freaks the crap out of me in the dark. So I don't really care. <laughs> I went to go for a pee and I was like, "No, I'm leaving," and drove home. It was just yeah, not not a not. I don't know. I don't. I'm, I'm not good with the dark, but anyway. But that's um, yeah, that place. Something about it is is cool until there's no one else there.
0: So, yeah. I actually quite in, I actually quite enjoy um, whatever when there's no one there. Like, in, I used to, day, I used to yeah. go up.
2: Sorry? in the day, but at night.
0: Uh, no, no, me. no. Like, I used to I used to rock up and um, for race meets, um, and I'd get there at you know as soon as the gate was open in the morning for for the staff and officials to start wandering in, mm-hmm. and I'd be you know second or third car in line. And it's great. Just love it. Like just go sit in turn seven, or go out and sit on the hill and watch the sunrise. And beautiful. Yeah. No, it's and Nice. Not even at night time, you know, but I don't know. That's just me.
2: I know. No. I mean, it's, it's a funny. I've got a weird love hate with one or it's just I go there so much, but I do miss it when I'm not there. It's it's, it's a funny one. And it's not not one of my favourite tracks in the world, but. It's, it's got a, it's got an atmosphere to it. And I think maybe because I do spend so much time there now that I've started to feel a bit homely about it, I suppose. So, you know, it's pretty cool.
0: Are you pretty, pretty spoiled in the UK to be able to, you know, drive four hours and get to eight different tracks. So
2: yeah, but
0: you know, you that's know
2: the, the flip side is we, we're a much smaller, tighter community here. Um, so I've, I've actually kind of liked that side of things. Like, if you race yeah. at Brands on a Sunday and turn up on a Monday, you, you're not getting in. They don't care that you were here yeah. the day before, whereas Wanneroo yeah. is is our track. You know, it's like you, – you, it's much more homely like that. So it's kind of cool. But, yeah, I do miss, miss the tracks. I miss the variety. Um, you know, it's weird. Although saying that, what I've kind of developed – a training thing just going around one or two. you just kind of learn it a bit more, but it was kind of cool because different tracks fit are better on different cars. And so not everyone's going to win every time. And it just, just means you just got that variety, you know, it just, it's cool. And it's just like, I say, it's like traveling, traveling with your boys and having fun. It's just, just good. Um, but yeah, we are spoiled with the tracks. That That's one thing the UK has done well. Um, and to the point where I haven't done them all, and i've been racing for a long long time so um there's i don't know maybe four or five i need to tick off to complete so one day one day one day yeah but we also we we have a lot more grassroots racing as well back home which is uh is is nice you know we do a a lot of grass track and we do uh God, i can't think it's like speedway but it's like indoor crappy cars and stuff there's a load of stuff like that which i never really got involved in but there's a lot of that level sport in the uk which they don't have here just again it's just because of numbers you know but um, yeah. that that level is really is good uh, you know it's it's well well supported
0: so when did you make the decision that uh it was time to you know obviously you, you're over in come you come to
2: australia there you go. Yep, it's time to bring the car. It was never a choice. Um, so all my family had moved here. Uh, I was the last one at home. I did. I looked at coming with my ex, but it was not very easy. Visa situation, things like that. Uh, then, then we broke up anyway. I, I confess, I probably put too much into my championship year to. Um, keep it going and some other things like that. So it it is what it Mm -hmm. is. But um, when we broke up, the family obviously pushed quite hard for me to come here. And one of the things that was said was, just chuckle your stuff away and get on a plane. And I said, that's the most stupid thing I've ever heard. My car is coming with me. I do not care. (laughs) Um, And so, yeah, then it started the whole long process of figuring out how to do that, Um, which took a lot of work and a lot of money. Um, and plus I needed to bring my sofa and stuff so I needed a container but I was like well if I've got to get a 20 foot for the car i just get a 40 foot for my furniture and I'll just bring the whole lot and it you know makes sense um, but yeah it was, a, it was a mission it was a mission your, uh, your government doesn't like people bringing things from other countries into it so um, it probably took me two three days worth of trying to figure out paperwork and um, making invoices Four things that okay. i needed to have bought and stuff like that um but i managed to get approval It's like super stuff like they needed all of my results from racing and they needed i had to join the sporting car club even before i'd come because they needed to see what i was going to do with it it was that that sort of stuff it was really really you yeah. uh they needed to understand that it was purely only a race car and i wasn't going to bring it here and sell it uh as a road car and they would miss out on their luxury car tax you know that that kind of stuff Yeah. Uh, so I managed to figure it out couldn't bring my trailer ironically because it didn't have the right plate and I didn't have the right visa okay. um, but I thought it doesn't matter there's tr- millions of trailers here they'll be cheap and cheerful like at home so I sold <laughs> mine for 500 quidler mate and uh, I mean, yes wow. she so, so learned that was never going to happen yeah. um, and I managed to get my motorbike here um I don't know if I should say this publicly, but it came in a lot of pieces in lots of different packages and then got put back together. It's now an Australian motorbike. So no one needs to worry about that, but it's, it's here (laughs) (laughs) and no one needs to worry about the international. I did. Sure. There's a statute of limitations. I, I I don't know, but yeah, it came in lots of different boxes and the wheels came via UPS and things like that. But, um, it's, it's here and done. Um, but uh, yeah, it was a really weird experience because the car left probably two months before I did. And I managed to, I took a photo of the container and I found a website that allowed me 15 minutes tracking a day. I used to just watch the boat go around the world. <laughs> <laughs> just because I've heard so many horror stories of the bloody containers falling off and stuff. I was like, no, I just watched it. I watched, watched my car travel around the whole way here. And it went Essex to France. They went round, it went down the Suez, all the way down to uh, Madagascar, some random reason down there. Then it yeah. went East Coast, and it went all the way along the bottom. So I just watched it every single day, just tick, 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 tick. tick. And then, yeah, I got to Frio, and then I had to start the whole customs process, which was was hard work again. They had to be checked for cleaning in case they had brought any bugs that were going to kill you all and stuff like that. Uh, then they yep. had to value it for tax purposes, uh, which obviously with it only being a three-one-eight, that didn't really run very well. Luckily they spoke to someone at the club and he just went five grand. Yeah. Five grand. That's what it's worth. <laughs> <laughs> How many cans of beer did you buy that person? I, I, I can't even remember the bloke's name, but he, he was from the club somewhere. They called someone and I was like, yeah, yeah cool. It's, it's just, you know, it's just not BM. it will be all right. He'll be all right. So, um, and yeah, then then it was just here one day, and it was just just random. It's 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 still kind of surreal sometimes to look at the car and think that it has done that boat journey. But yeah, I did, and it's you know it's with me. It's my little toy. It won't go anywhere. So now lives in Bobgo or oh, Wanaru. Yeah,
1: uh, I mean, like Luxon behind the sport. Uh, Wanneroo Raceway would be awesome, but uh, you know,
0: that's 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 big bills, you know. I, d- I just honestly, I just want a billboard in
2: turn one. That probably wouldn't fall. be that hard, they'd left doing they turn one. Yeah,
0: we yeah, we no, could just I'm go
2: sure. and fill it, I don't think anyone would notice. We just paint it one weekend.
1: I wouldn't touch them before they fall over. <laughs>
0: that's true, that's true. We yeah. already <laughs> had one. The um, yeah, no, I, I that's 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 my goal. I want to be behind the sport um billboard up there mm. one year we, we know i right? just want my cover
1: box been on the waitlist for i found the original email to colleen <laughs> back in <laughs> 2017 yeah. still on that wait list yeah well wow.
2: yeah that's because they're so used and um needed that you can't have one
1: yeah no one day
2: yeah hope so
0: hope so, so. So I just had a I, I had a little bit of a quick look up of that um, chance of a lifetime event. Mm. Um, do you know Clint Harvey? No. Yeah, It's a good name. Yeah, Clint Harvey was on uh, was in your uh, group. Um, um, he's Mason Harvey's dad, who races in saloons, and uh, Clint has a massive. Um, history of saloon cars and oh. other series um, mm-hmm. including super twos and super threes I, I think from what I read and um, Lee Holdsworth I know
2: that name okay
0: yep. there you go oh there you Lee go Holdsworth. that's why I lost him that's when I that's fair enough <laughs> so mm. for issue enough Clint Harvey on that on that qualifying T1 uh, was fourth. Lee Holdsworth was 11th, and uh Chris was not at the very back. Yeah, 17. So, but yeah, I don't, I just thought that was quite interesting actually. Yeah, lo-
2: it was a really good experience. I mean, like yeah. a- again, it was like you know, this is this is so long ago that I, I remember just leaving Sydney in some higher car and just driving to Wakefield. You know, and it's just it was yeah. just cool. It was just, cool. it was just- it's you know, definitely one to tick off as a as a positive experience, even though yeah, it would have been nice to have wanna drive in a Yep. God, I think it was even an E B or something back then. It wasn't even much. It was in the Kumo series. It wasn't, you know yeah. I suppose it would have been super two or three what is now. But yeah, real you know, real basic. But yeah, it would have been cool. Um yep. but yeah, it's just just life. That's just the way. Just the way. So your
0: first uh noted race your first um race up at wanneroo mm. i believe was in july 2019 does that sound about right
2: no 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 wanneroo was the anniversary meeting
1: which was you, i've got the poster Wait. in the third of march 2019. Yeah.
0: Oh, okay. Well, yeah. someone didn't like you and put your results in for <laughs> a few months.
2: <laughs> yeah. I did Who have did a lot of trouble <laughs> racing at, in WA at the beginning. I do. Yeah. I do confess that. So yes, it wouldn't surprise me if someone just scratched me off.
1: You know? <laughs> Cause there's illegal race numbers you had.
2: I, uh, yeah.
0: Do, do tell, do tell how, what, I, what happened when you first started racing in WA.
2: So, so I, it's quite, it was kind of funny, but, um, so the, the car literally out of the container ran perfectly. I, I turned up for the last test day before Christmas at Wanneroo, uh, December, December something. Like It must, it turned up a couple of weeks before. Uh, literally just put fuel in it, pumped up my old crappy Kumos and went out. And it was just awesome. Like I still, I know I've gone a lot faster now, but at the time I, it felt quick. I was like, this is going to be good laugh. And then... I was doing work on it for the first round. And I think I put the battery on the wrong way around and started it. And it blew the alternator, oh. but I didn't know these things. And weirdly, BMWs run with the battery around the wrong way. Uh huh. But it burns stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yep. So, um, yeah, funny. So I didn't have a trailer and uh, I didn't know everyone. I'd met Brent, he'd done my logbook. Um, and who else did I met? Brent and Damo. Yeah, they, they were the first people I met in in Wo Racing. Um, so I probably I step. Let me step one back. Step back. I when I first was going to come over, IP were the people I was speaking to. Mm-hmm. But my car's too far gone, and I didn't want to have to dumb it down by putting glass in it and stuff like that. So Kelvin, funny enough, gave me a call one day. And he was like, you should come race with us. I was like, okay. And Mr. Salesman he was, sold me on streetcars. And that was that was how I became a streetcar guy and not IP. Um, mainly obviously, yes, because I didn't have to actually try and make my car heavy and and become you know, glove box and all that sort of stuff. Um, so yeah, that's why I went streetcar. Then they introduced me to Brent, who kindly logged with my car. Um which was lucky because I didn't know any thing about this. We don't have logbooks in the UK, so uh, luckily someone told me or I wouldn't have had that. So I did the test. It was awesome. Turned up on the Friday. 8:03, Friel lent me a trailer. Got there. Thing wouldn't start. Uh, Battery had gone because obviously the alternator wasn't working. So classic first day. Even my helmet fell off the top of the car. Nice big chip in it. I had to put a sticker on it so then I knew. I probably didn't tell you that, Brent. But, yeah, there's a Lux Performance sticker over my helmet, but there's a big chip missing.
1: Well, um, lucky, lucky you got a beautiful new ROI to uh, I know, the, I know, exactly. the Place that old bucket your head.
2: Yeah, three years on a 200-quid helmet. So, um, yeah, here's what it is. Um, so, yeah, I didn't actually have a good first race meeting. So Friday testing went awful because I managed one session before the car died. Brent kindly lent me a battery charger, and we just charged it between every single race. But after about – seven laps it just starts to cough and cough and splatter but the funny story was obviously i don't know how to race in australia they just they gave me my national license because of my credentials from back home and your processes here are slightly different to those at home and again i say i don't know what a logbook is i knew it was a little passbook with my photo of the car in it and we went out for qualifying and we're red flag because it was a sportsman race came in And old Rob Mitchell was like, where's your logbook sticker? And I went, what the hell are you talking about? He went, get out. (laughs) So that that was my first scrutineering experience. That doesn't sound like Rob. (laughs) I know, I know. Um, Yeah, I I actually, I I really like Rob. Now we get on very well, but for a long time, I did not. Um, Yeah, he wasn't very impressed with my car. Um, I had massive purple 75 door numbers as my numbers. Again, the reason being in my country, where i just come from, the yellow numbers in the windows are the ones that are important. You can do what the hell else you rest on the car. We, we gave up on door numbers years ago. So I only had the door numbers on because they look bloody cool. And that's all that's really important. But apparently, no, here you have to have the white box one. and um, So, yeah, that caused lots of problems. But I managed, luckily enough, to convince the clerk of the course to let me race without qualifying. Um and ran round and yeah it was good fun but i i i believe i had a little hissy fit to brent about how i was in the wrong class because everyone has too much power which i probably could still moan about now but um then it was a bit of a thing so um but yeah that was the first one they did anniversary meet two day thing and then yeah, no, so it was good, but it was it was a nice nice experience. You know, I got to meet some people. It was, um, you know, good good sort of move in. Um, but really, I wasn't kind of part of it yet. It wasn't until supercars, I think, where that came on, where I really started to think that streetcars was my click. Um, I was saying that. No, there was a round, second round of uh, bubs bobs that I missed because the car wasn't running right. And I went and I went up there and I remember seeing everyone I was like, Oh, everyone's like, hello, but not like buddy buddy, and I would know I was kinda of rushing, oh, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna fit in here and stuff. But luckily my good man Brent was there and he sorted me out and made me go up to the um the box, uh Andy's and Maggie's box and botched up there, and then we went soup cars and then we all got drunk and then that's it. Now I'm streetcast life. I know that, so it's done. So um, that that was my introduction then.
0: And has your has uh, your results been over the last couple of years? Uh,
2: so year one was great. Uh, once I'd sorted out some of the problems, um, I finished third, I think, that year. Um, just doing doing the racing i hate which is mr consistency just driving around just clicking off results just it's it's i hate says how i won my championship i just made sure if i needed to finish third i finished third i just tick 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 just get the points my next championship is going to be win every race from the front because i'm the best there is that's my next rule but I don't know when that's going to happen. So we'll see. We'll see. But, yeah, the, my championships, but the, that one was just like that. And the same, my first year here, in fact, I was second for a long time and then something went wrong with it. I can't remember. In the last round, I missed, a, missed one race and it went back to third. So that was pretty cool. Um, I can't remember what happened year two. I didn't get any trophies. Oh, i got some, you know, it's got some podiums, but nothing, nothing much, no championship sort of placings. And then last year, I've just had the nightmare year of reliability issues. Um, gearbox. Then. Lifetime oil. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. I, I, okay. I'm learning. I'm learning. I'm learning. BMW lie. They put a sticker on the gearbox that says, do not change this oil. So I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> the Germans are normally pretty good at that sort of stuff. I'm, mm-hmm. I believe them I believe them I'm like okay well look I, the gearbox was put in five years ago when the engine was redone so I reckon they probably put new oil in it then so it's only five years old but yeah unfortunately um, it's knackered Alex uh, Mittage took it apart because he needed a part out of it recently he said the entire inside of the gearbox just ate itself so that's that and of course gearboxes are 100 quid back where I'm from but here they're 2 grand so I'm actually a little pissed <laughs> Why well, you just import one? Ah uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. The yeah. Yes. Yes. Exactly. So I think I
1: write a book on the Facebook messages about your gearbox.
2: Oh my god, it's just terrible. The one I got is just brilliant. It looks like it swam here. It's just rusty and been in a fire. It's good. I feel really confident this is going to last me this season
1: <laughs> especially with a brand new donk
2: i know i know what can you do i can't find another two grand for a box but it'll be all right it'll be all right yeah it will be all
0: right i'm going to uh pass you over to brent now mm. Woohoo! goodie and um well, I mean, you know what he's like, so I don't even don't need to warn you or yeah anything like that. So uh, enjoy, and we'll be back for a bit of a chat in a little while.
2: Okay, bud.
1: Nah, this I'll go easy on you, Chris. You're you're really, um, turning out to be a really, really good mate of mine, and um, you know I couldn't achieve half the the stupid projects that I get through if it wasn't for the help from yourself and 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 the rest of the, the A team. So no, nah, it's it's That's pretty good, kind of kind of really enjoy the the trips away to Collie. I miss um, you know, like yourself, the camping at the track thing that was a very Kiwi thing and if it wasn't at the track, it was at the Caravan Park, not far from it. And in New Zealand you're always, you know, we're quite lucky North Island, we had four tracks within three hours of us Um, so it was always kind of cool Mm. but yeah, it's uh, Aussie's a whole different thing, it's just a massive country and yeah. Uh, so much space to get across but when i we'll really on, hope this
2: we'll get it back when we go to albany man we'll, we'll get that back and then and like i say we need to just push to do more collie and then it will all make make sense you know two three collie rounds and a couple of albany's and suddenly we're traveling it's perfect
1: yeah well i hope albany comes off and is more than just a training track and likewise this uh you know the serpentine track or, or um moily is uh turns out to be something that we can use i know a few guys have got memberships there and um you know, it won't take much to be able to do, to do something like there. So,
0: time, yeah. my, my understanding of the track up near doing is it won't be racing. Yeah. It's no, well, that's how it initially set up. It won't be racing, racing. but, uh,
1: yeah. uh, you can do anything with a will in a way. Um, you know, we already got, Talks going on how we can get uh, run our own individual enduros and stuff like that because mm-hmm. um, that's something I really will and bring back. But uh, you've never mentioned it. Yeah,
2: that. well, yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah, I haven't said that. To, yeah, I think anyone that's no, talked to me before five minutes knows it's, it's like, Hi, this um, is Do on. you like
2: enduros? <laughs> Hi, oh, my name you is Brent. Right.
0: Do you and want to do an Fifty-four episodes of Behind the Sport <laughs> podcast. I've never heard that.
2: it's amazing. Brand
0: new. <laughs> this is fantastic. Oh, I'm so glad you came on, Chris. This is <laughs> this has just been a revelation. I'm going no, back, it's on, just, I'm going back yeah. on mute now.
1: No, it's very no, true. Like, it's just something I like, and I, and I think it's because I like that camaraderie or that team feel or or whatever it is. Like, we go to Collie and we got a few more guys keen on Collie now, and we kind of have a you know we have a bit of a party with a bit of fun, yeah. and it doesn't matter whether it's the streetcar guys or the um XL guys, or um, even just hanging out with uh Brett from Fastlane and, and Stu Senior and Stu Jr. uh, from other Costera, there it's, it's a bloody good laugh, you know.
2: So, yeah, it just it's all just down there, and you just I don't know, people aren't rushing home, and it's just nice, just nice, and yeah. Like, and, 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 Collie's
1: getting Collie, Collie originally wasn't wasn't an overly attractive place to go to, but the circuit layout is really, really good. The facilities are getting better every time I go. So, you know, see what I, happens.
2: The, the track is perfect. Like, I, I don't care. I, I don't understand why people just can't be bothered to drive another hour just to get down there. It is a good track. That That track to me is on par with some of the good ones back home. It really, it does. It's got everything in it. It could do with some grass, not the gravel uh that would be, be nice but the actual driving experience is good i like it if we could put collie at wanneroo then everything would be perfect because the facility is yeah. great at wanneroo the track needs a few more left-hand turns but other than that it's cool but collie to drive is just perfect i i would race there every weekend if we could
1: Except yeah, for it's taking no. cars
2: away, so I'm you know I'm getting old and lazy. I like driving twenty minutes to Bob's, but it, it's true. It's just awesome. Good good experience. So
1: no, that's cool. Um, so I want to, you know, we'll keep on this this train of thought because it's kind of what I want to talk to you about, like hmm. um, like differences. So like in the UK, it was obviously a lot younger. Um, you know, some people say BC before children sort of era. Um. You know when you're in that you're a lot freer so you can travel a lot more you can just do dumb stuff pack up your bags on a thursday go to the racetrack sort of thing so everything is easier so it's rosier right mm-hmm. but in general is it easier to go racing in the uk
2: no uh no it's bloody expensive that that's probably the biggest um restriction um Licensing wise, I think is the same. Like you, I think you guys do it the same. Like, uh, the way I understand it, when I'm talking to people now. You do the test and you do the written, and then you uh, drive around for a year. We have a, a cross. You guys have the P. You know that sort of stuff's about the same. Um, the the grassroots stuff, I think, is a lot easier. You, like you can race. I can't think what they bloody call it now. but they used to do. There'd be a track in Wimbledon um, where they do it, and it's just rough old racing. It's like on an oval but concrete tarmac you know like it's almost like where they'd run a market kind of place and they have voxel courses which you would call holden barinas with a hoop cage that's it just just a hoop you don't have to have any more than that just a hoop one seat take the glass out put a metal thing over the window you know like a great and they just run around yep. in second gear. But it's fast. And, oh, it's banger racing. Banger racing. But it's not right. what you would term banger racing, you know, where they smash up the cars. It's a full contact race. race. But they're flat out, little things. And they just ran, ran around. And that's what your, how can you say it politely, your man that doesn't have a lot of money races. But it's really, really cheap. You know, they just buy these beaten up old cars and they just put this hoop in and go and do it. And there's a lot of that. And it's the same. You can start racing grass track minis when you're about ten, I think. And there's a big sport for that. Again, oval just on a grass field. Uh, so that's all really cool. We've got a mega karting side, obviously.
1: Yeah.
2: Um, but very expensive. But you know, again, lots of levels. I had a lot of mates that did what they called corporate carts. You know, the twin engine stuff, and they yeah. run three, four hour enduros, which you would love. Uh, but mega serious, all all radios and refueling, all that sort of stuff. But it's, you know, blokes our age just pissing a bit of money. You know, there, there's just – there is lots and lots and lots of that. But to do what we do is a lot of money. Um, not for – your license – well, our, I said, our licenses are very expensive. I find that weird. It's 500 bucks for a license here. It was like – well, I think I paid 60 pounds for my class B – which was a national uh, yeah, national B license and I was too tight to pay the 75. So I could have a national a, which let me race in Europe, which again, in hindsight, I look at and go, God, now I'm paying 500 to race here. Anyway, it makes no difference. So that, that side of things difference, but entry fees, track days are just mega money, like it's four to 450 pounds entry for a weekend and. If you want to test on the friday it's another 400 pounds so you just you know you're 800 pounds before you even get there obviously there's other thing our fuel is twice as much and all that sort of stuff but yeah we used to work on a thousand pound around for just what i was doing and you know it's just expensive but there is probably more access to it i i guess and the, the track thing is cool and you just want to get into it and funny enough that's why that's why I started with bikes, I suppose, not cars. I mean, one, I love bikes, and it's always been my my sort of kid passion, but it is a cheaper sport um, on that, that sort of level. But, yeah, the money is very prohibitive. I, I, I find racing here cheaper, and that's why I've been able to do it with no money, although maybe my maintenance is now starting to show that. But, you know, you, you can do it here. Like a normal man can race a car. Um whereas at home is still probably a little bit more elitist. Um which I may be saying that wrong, but is in you still gotta have quite a flexible income to be able to do it.
1: Yeah, no, I, I get what you mean. And that's you know, and, and looking at the category you used to race in the Kumo category, you know, like uh, uh um some of the guys that run on the A category you know we we we've watched you've put me on to is it James you mate James Uh there's a couple of James
2: but yeah Jason's the one we watched the other night yeah
1: uh, Jason with the E46 mm. um you know those cars are, are floor floorpan sports sedan's you know motex and and big horsepower in yeah. engines and bang boxes and No so no but know, no, no
2: bang boxes it's the only thing we weren't allowed and I still don't quite get it no, bang oh, box, got dog, no dog dog boxes No no, no 5 speed so my gearbox oh. is what they all run on It's crazy. It's crazy. It's the only So which is the
1: one with the bang box in it that runs in the Euro Series? Uh,
2: So that was another guy who ran both Kumho and the Dutch Supercar Championship. Uh, Really nice guy. Really, like, one of the fastest kids I've ever seen. He had an E90, and you'd love this now, Brent. He had nine different settings for ABS. Nine, like, mental, mental. But, yeah, so he would, between a Kumho around one weekend – the car would then go to Holland and in between have a bang box put in it. He'd do the round, then come back to do Kumo. They'd take it out, put the five speed back in. I, I don't think I could yeah. be bothered, but I suppose that's why you have a team and he would just turn up and drive the thing. But my God, what a load of work! What a load of work! But yeah, it's cool. Yeah. And, and, and I suppose maybe that's again our luxury, right? Driving in Europe is a lot easier, you know, if you really want to do that side of things. Um, one of the categories back home races spar every year um and funny even when I, when I was a kid i went to france racing bikes it was just it, that side of things a lot easier um so you could do like you know we, we could literally do a summer driving around europe racing if we wanted to um that i think is probably the biggest luxury of at all
1: yeah that's and that's the dream yeah i think that's that it really is a dream, and I think yeah, and if, so that's again like you know going and racing in the in the, in the Dutch or the supercar series. It gives you an idea of the level of the those A grade cars. And um, you know we had that conversation the other day. Australia's got this, uh, in all forms of motorsport, we've still got this uh, this need, or I don't know what it is to, and New Zealand's the same. We've still got this. We always have a category that has five million horsepower and. Mm. You know, an unlimited category. Whereas in the UK, that just doesn't exist. There's a couple of offshoots that have X supercars in them and GT4 cars, for lack of a better thing. But most people want to go do that. They go the other way and go to sports cars. Uh, But in Australia, we we,
2: we don't have V8s. Yeah. So it's not normal. Whereas here, up until COVID, you know, V8s were cheap and that's what people drive. So I, I do get that. And it's the same as in the States. That's what people have, they have V8s. We don't, We, do, you know, since I've been 20 or 30, there's, no one can drive a V8, it's too expensive. So we, we just don't have them. So sport cars are two to three liter, really. Even like an Aston's four liter, you know, we just don't have that massive, massive, massive engine kind of thing. And because of that, I think our circuits were built differently. You know, you've got to remember most of our circuits were built after the war, where cars were small still. You know, little tiny two-liter Formula One cars, and they, they were just yeah. built long and sweepy. Whereas the tracks here were built with big V eight engine kind of stuff. But it, yeah, I mean, it, it, it's a shame. And we, you know, corners are the fun bit. But if you've got a big giant engine, the straight is, I suppose.
1: Yeah. No, I get that. Is there there something that's done in the UK that you wish was done here?
2: Well, yeah. I mean, we need more categories. I know people would argue that, but we need more modern stuff. the, The only thing is it just, it's a very fixed, 20-year-old car kind of stuff. I, I'd like more. There, there seems to be more churn of, of categories maybe. that That's the thing. Maybe it's just easier to start stuff back home. Um, you know, there, there's always some club that will take it on. And we do have the luxury of having different clubs. So if you're not happy somewhere, you can just move. You know, there, there's maybe more variety. I'd, I'd like more variety. Um,
1: yeah, I think it's think a very WA thing or a very the side of the country thing. Hmm. I mean, Darwin doesn't really count. There is is you know we're lucky to have 20 people up there racing you know yeah um but here it's uh yeah, it's a very wa thing to hold on to categories that work yeah. Ie, saloon cars work formula v works formula ford works uh XL's now proven to work as, as a good category but they're all old yeah So that's we probably got whereas you go over east and you go to a local race meeting and sure they've got these weird combined categories we've got rx8 cup and pulses running together and um you've got every merit version of production cars racing in with uh, IP or floor pan sport sedans or whatever they want to call them that week in production utes and stuff. But um, the production cars over East seems to have a lot more modern cars. The Mm. problem we've got as well, the the more modern cars, they're just expensive. Yeah, And they don't lend themselves to be as quick around tracks like, like Warnaroo, you know, like that Renault of mine, that's not even overly modern. That's still a 10 year old car. You know, or not? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or almost a ten-year-old car, and it's, uh, um, you know, it's it's heavy. It's fourteen hundred kilos for a tiny little hatchback. It's just the way cars are built now. So it's not like mm-hmm. you take a twenty-year-old saloon car or Skyline that's eleven hundred kilos, or uh, Civic that's a thousand kilos, and put a four hundred-dollar engine in it, and you've got something that'll do really low sixties and pretty exciting. Um, but no, I, I agree. I, I want to see more modern stuff because yeah. um, otherwise you just lose out. Because you know, like uh, yeah, xl's kind of work because we, we've had this discussion so many times. Ah, XL's kind going to work because yeah. they were that that cool car when we were at uni. But try to explain someone now that you race a Hyundai XL, and yeah. that's the, that is one of the more fierce local categories we've got.
2: Yeah,
1: or you race a, a saloon car. And you have to explain what that's all about and that it's a parody racing and da 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 and it just it's yeah, yeah. saloon cars are awesome to watch. They put the best racing on, but unless you could drag someone to the to the track and say, Hey, look, here's what it looks like three saloons going three S's, that's goddamn exciting. Yeah. You you can't explain
2: that. No, and anyone you tell, you know, BA Falcon's a taxi. And I know they're great cars to to drive and stuff, but people just don't know. They're like, yeah, they weren't a very good car. You I can I just show them, you know, the videos on uh,
0: WA Sporting Car Club. Uh, oh, that's sport. good. oh, how's they that for a marketing yeah. and a half.
1: Look oh. at you go! Nice um, <laughs> to plug.
0: But but that's what I mean. Like or it, even the, on the XL are, or the saloons, they do their media really well.
1: <laughs> yeah, they're an awesome category. That and and the racing is good, and the car like. I went for a ride in Neife's, uh old EA saloon one night, and you could have told me to your black in the face how quick that thing is around the bowl and through the chute there, hmm. and I just would have laughed. I wouldn't have believed it until I went for a ride in it, now, how hard that can break and how perfectly geared they are for the track yeah. and how it all just works. And they are like – you get a VE Commodore, six-litre VE Commodore that is really mild and stock like that black one I had, not as fast. You look at the super utes of the V8s, slower than our saloons. Mm. But you can't explain to people that, hey, they're actually fast, and that's that's what I think the hard part is. Yeah. And people want to see modern cool stuff going around, I think. Yeah, or maybe we, it's we, just we, we're and... just a
2: small – we're a small small place with not that many people, but um, uh, it, it is what it is. But, yeah, we just, just need to look f- for the future. I mean, as I said to you before, I plan to be here for a chunk of time, and I plan to be racing – for 10 15 years all I really care about is the continuity of racing in WA and how that's going to happen so if it's a new series it's a new series if it's continuation of what we're doing it's fine but yeah we, we need to need to keep it growing rather than I sometimes feel we come up against a lot of resistance because of people don't like change but we got we got to Got to do something because like I say i you know i want young kids to be doing this stuff like i wanted to do this stuff and you know in 20 years time yeah, totally I'll be retiring and thinking yeah i'm done I, look, I, and i know motorsport has probably only got our last 20 years and i accept that you know it's not it's not the be all and end all but there's got to be some kids that still want to do it and we shouldn't just hold it and go no no we're just gonna stick with what we like let's you know there's got to be something for someone else and and like i say excels is just awesome but you there'll be another XLs, and um the the only thing i do except obviously saloon cars it's difficult because there weren't any manual six lead um six cylinder fords and holdens for after that but it's a shame we couldn't run around in bas even which again a 20 year old cars but you know the next step perhaps or keep going you know but um we just got to figure it out. Cause like I say, that's all I care about. And I think that's, that's sometimes what I find hard to discuss with people is that I love motorsport and all I really care about is it continuing and people getting involved in it. And, uh, so I'm, I'm always willing to adapt, always willing to change, always willing to do stuff to try and help people get into it. So it keeps going because otherwise there'll be three of us, that doesn't really make motorsport you know in 10 years time it's just sucky
1: no 100 percent. and i've got the same i just want to, to keep racing so my kids have got something to do yeah. if they choose not to play ball sport or be smarter than than me um or when my kids are older and i'm still doing it that they want to be a part of it and they yeah. still think it's cool like yeah. hey my dad races cars, again
2: I, I decided when i was very young this is what i wanted to do and i haven't changed I have done, yeah. done a lot, a lot of stuff, you know. I, when I was racing the CB500, I was at Alton Park in 99 and it was pissing it down. It's Friday testing. I went around Knickerbrook before the chicane and the, the bike went so bloody sideways I thought I was dead. But I came out of it and I was like, this is the bollocks. I, I don't want to do anything else. And I, I've kept that with me forever because it's just, I knew then that, I just wanted to race, and I don't care. I, I, I'll race anything. I, don't, I just don't care. And there are kids now that want to do that as well. And I know there are. I, I, know, I know things are different. They're doing a lot more computer games and stuff like that. But motorsport is the coolest thing that anyone can do. I don't really like ball games. I, I don't really find them the same. You know, our sport is the the top as far as I care. And I just want other people to enjoy it and do it.
1: No, 100% agree. You don't the. I don't
2: know it's better than drugs yeah yeah. Um, i'll tell you the thing i love about this sport um obviously there's a lot of up and downs but from the moment you get in a car or a bike you feel like you're going as fast as you ever possibly can like i I remember the first time i rode a bike on a track i was like that's it i'm as quick as a grand prix driver it's only until you get into competition you realize you're not but it's good like i could put my mum in my car And she would drive around it and she'd be like, that was way too fast. Oh, my God, how exciting. You try and play golf and you suck for years and years and you have to keep smacking that bloody ball and keep playing, keep playing, and eventually you get good and then you enjoy it. But that's hard work, whereas our sport, it's instant, instant. No matter who you put in a car, they're going to think that is fast. That is how cool it is. And funny enough, the better you get, the slower it gets. And I like that. I, I like the fact that I can make anyone enjoy it instantly. Whereas, like say, another sport, no. You know, I can't kick football. You know, I try and kick a goal, I'll miss, and I'll just go home. Tennis, you know, I played a lot of tennis at school. It's just dull. I can't play it at the level where you can just enjoy it straight away. Whereas this sport, you know, it's just good. It's just good. And it's the same, you know, same when I, when I teach. It's just... You can just get someone enjoying it very quickly, and they don't have to be going flat out. You know, you put someone in a in an XL and they do a bloody 85-second lap, they'll still think it's amazing, and it's instant, and it's just an instant buzz.
1: Mm. Yeah, and that's what, I mean, like why it's really hard to pick what, what the next can be because mm. we're, we're all hardcore racers, but um, I enjoy racing in XL. I enjoy doing a tuning day in an XL. Because every time I get in, I'm like, I could have done that better. There's, I've left two tents there. Mm. You know, like, and, I'm, and, everyone, right, and I think that's a cool thing, because even though it's such an individual sport, um, everyone has a different aspect on it. So I hate going out and doing worse than the time I went out before. Yeah, That really gets on my go. And he, all the um, ups and downs and, and dealing with the emotive stuff that comes with it, with breakages and, and, and Murphy's Law and, and all that other good stuff, um i just want to improve every single time i drive and that's that's all i'm after is just chasing that next little bit and because the cars will do it yeah and you know the cars will. Do it. as soon as you get on track with someone really good and, you, and they've got lesser machinery than you and they do and it's like come on it's, it's me well, i've got to figure that feel i've got to figure that thing out and that's what i that's what I like, and I like learning that thing. And everyone attra- everyone attacks that differently. Everyone's got different ways of learning it. I, I like, you know, I, I try to proceduralize everything and talk to myself as I do it. I do this here and do this here and there. And the other guys are just off the butt of their pants. Like, you know, Andy's just a complete natural mm. that does it his way,
2: mm.
1: um, where he hates going through. He's like, I oh, just, it just feels right, and I do it. Yeah. You know? And it doesn't mean one's better than the other. It's just how cool this sport is, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um,
2: It's a weird one. Like I, have I've also explained it the other way. Like I, I, I need to be the best, which I'm I'm not always obviously, but that's my point. I, I need that recognition of being the best of what I do. So a lot of time when I race, I don't enjoy it, which is, again, it's a hard thing to say after just what I've been saying, but that's because I want to be the best. And I, that's that's probably my biggest struggle. I would say is I need I need to be the fastest, and I can't do it at the minute. Uh, it's frustrating, and that's hard to explain to people because it, again, it's not. Sometimes it can be a very harsh sport in terms of.
1: Oh, absolutely! You know, it's the
2: harshest one. The money and the the bridges. Like there's a there's a bit in um, Le Mans, and McQueen's just basically, basically talking to some some bird about. I think yeah, his husband had died and, and he just said, you know, it's a blood sport and it it will happen, but then it will happen again. You know, there's no like, oh, you've had a big one. or oh, that's your big one. It will just happen. It's the same. Like, I could put this motor in that I've just spent my entire earnings for the last three years and it could blow up next week. No, I kind of hope it doesn't. Um,
1: yeah, but it is a very well, real thing. So yeah, it really can. and and,
2: and cuz you think oh no, but you've done the right thing. You spent all the money in the right places. Like, does it doesn't really matter. It will still just break, you know. And I love my car, but it will kick me in the balls as quick as anything. It really will. Because it's just the way it is. But that's also maybe the cool thing about it. It's just it's just intense, I suppose. Yeah. Um yeah,
1: um, I, yeah, and listen, everyone has different drivers. Like, I don't have the driver to be the best. It's, it's cool. You want to win. No, I you can't, I can't do it.
2: I, that game, we've had this conversation. I, mean, I can't just yeah. run for fun. I There's not what I'm doing. I, I have to yeah. think I'm going to win. I have to think there's a chance, and that's where I've been struggling maybe the last couple of years because I can't just because of what, I, what I'm doing. But that's, that's my focal point. That's what makes me train. That's what makes me want to do it. It might change in the next few years. I might be much more about, oh, I just want to have a laugh, laugh with my boys. But I really, yeah, I just I need to win. That's, that's all I want yeah. to do. So I just want, want to win. Win, win, win. That's all I care about, which makes me no, yeah, I, no, I know it makes me a selfish, selfish person sometimes, but that, that's why I do this.
1: Yeah, well, it's, yeah, and I, and I get the people that do it for fun. I'm not one of them either. Like mm. I, I want to win, but I wish I just want to be better than last time, and that's why I want to yeah. race. That's why I'm building the new Skyline because I want to race against the biggest, baddest cars there are, and the biggest, baddest cars are our style of cars, the sports sedans. So, mm. if I, uh, you know, street cars cool and all, but the the next step up is is the top of the pops in the, within the country. So yeah, that's what I'm going to race. I I want to go chase the best there is, and if I can match that with similar machinery, then hey, maybe I'm not such a lemon after all. Yeah, perfect.
2: Um, <laughs> yeah.
1: You know, that's that's my driver is just to, uh, just to be able to do it. You know, I had a good – There's uh, you probably know Tony Roscoe. Mm. I remember talking to him once, um, and he's got one of the old Shell supercars. He's got a beautiful collection of cars. You know, he's a, he's a successful dude. He's, he's he's made his made his mark on, on, on life, that's for sure. He's an awesome guy. But he's got – I remember talking to him, and I, I've never told anyone this or told him this, but what really – landed with me so he's got this one of the old supercars mm-hmm. um, sure they're not as fast as the modern supercars but they're still goddamn frighteningly quick cars right and he's chuffed because he's done similar times in that car to what it did when it was an active supercar Yeah. sure it might have slightly better tyres on it now and stuff like that but he's not a 25 year old gun either
0: yeah no no you know I'm
1: fat I'm old I'm 40 odd and um if I can drive that car around as quick as the, the current cars, then I'm stoked. And Tony, you know, Tony, so I proved it. I, I've got one. I've been as fast as that car can go, you know. Um, I, I think that's cool. And same, likewise, if you went out and, you, and brought like a, a, a Porsche Cup car, you know, and I've, I've had certain mates always try to talk me out of doing that. I like them because they're easy to maintain. They're easy to use. And... Uh, I think once you've figured the car out if you can get to that point where you're as fast as that car can go and you're as fast as the best in the world's during one of those then then you've ticked the box yeah to me and that that's sort of a driver yeah. It might not make sense to a lot of people, but I assume these people out there do marathons and they might ne- not never, you know, my wife talks to my wife out this all the time. So she gets that competitive side of it. Mm. Um, she does. She's into a marathon running. So there's people that they're never going to win a marathon outright. They're yeah, not that They freak. set a
2: time though. That's the thing though. They're they like, set a time. Well, to me, I yeah, win. So when you do it in four hours, that's like a first step. That means you're half serious, you know, that sort of stuff. And yeah, yeah. I-, I can see it. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So that's, that's the thing. Um, mm. Cool uh we've taken up heaps of time but I've got a couple of quick questions for you yeah um i've asked you if there's anything you could bring over from the uk more variety which is really cool is there anything we do better here that they don't do in the uk
2: it's other love hate. Hey, it to it's get a, on the track huh
1: other than how cheap it is to get on the oh, track no no no
2: i mean that money's money i know over east it's mega money so that's just a wa thing i get that um I, I get that. I, I, look, it's a love-hate thing for me, is the committee thing. I, I, you guys love a committee for bloody everything. And that's a weird thing. But it's hard for me to say because of how involved I am in it all now. But it's kind of nice because everyone is can be, if they choose to be, very involved in our sport, which, again, back home you can't. They, you can go for these positions, but it's professional. The people that run the clubs are professional. The people that run the series are professional. As in, not, not professional the like way that. They get paid for it. You know, it's not the same. Here, yeah. So a
1: do as you're told sort of thing. A bit more, a
2: bit more, yeah. I mean, like, yes, we used to have little bits of debates on rules and stuff, but it wasn't like here where you really can make a change. And same, you know, we didn't choose what tracks we went to and all this. You just go, this is what you're doing, this is what you're doing. If you don't like it, go rest somewhere else. Which, obviously, yes, there are a lot of other choices here. You and i can make a difference that is a nicety. the flip side is obviously the committee thing is driving me insane in some ways because of my current position as streetcars president but um but but again you know eventually as it before, i will move to go on the west committee you know i, I want to be involved and i want to choose and that that side of things is, is better i i do feel like for its faults the wa sporting car club is us it isn't some fat rich man making a load of money out of us it's you know we are all involved if you want to be i know a lot of people don't want to be but i i like that part i like to feel a part of it and know that i can make a difference if i want to you know
1: i hope shane's can clip this piece out and put it because it's a you know, we don't don't often put a good a good spin on Wask and we don't often yeah. speak about it positively, but
2: uh, oh, I have my I have my my issues with them. I you know that that's let's not, just, not let's just problem. clarify.
0: <laughs> that's you guys.
1: Oh yeah, you know, like well, I mean
0: generalizing. podcast. Yeah. So, so there's always people having a whinge
1: important. about the club doesn't do this and the club didn't help me with that. Yeah. And da da da. Well, I've raced in plenty of places. And I've been to plenty of places where you just get told this is it. This is how much it costs. And this is when you turn up. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Um, Like, like like say, I, you know, there are things I'm not, not a, not a fan of two years time. I can just be on the sporting car club committee and I can make that change whether or not get voted through, but there's an option, you know, if there's something I don't like, I can get involved and get it changed. Although a lot of people here don't. And, you know, I've had many discussions over the weekend, a lot of people still moaning about streetcars and how many cars could come and race, but they won't because of some rule that was written 20 years ago. And I said to someone, I was like, none of these people ever call me to ask. So there's a lot of moaning people that could just get involved and make the changes they want to, and then they'd all enjoy racing again, but they choose not to. So those people annoy me because the option is there like, like i say i i oh, m-
1: even if it was the best that it had ever been those people would still have something I mean, that definitely you know some, what I mean. something to moan
2: about but but like i say you know i wanted to be involved in the committee i joined the committee i wanted to run the committee i'd now run the committee it's, it's a simple process i i can make decisions and do things that i would not be allowed to do at home and i, I do like that but but like i say the flip side is you have a committee for everything and i find that weird you know the garage committee and the building a bridge committee and the da, 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 da. It's, it's, it's it's a funny funny old thing uh it's just an australian thing i guess but but like I say for its negatives i think it's a positive
1: yeah no nah, cool um yeah no i think that's a pretty positive spin on it and i do like it mm-hmm. um so back to you. Any weird superstitions you have before a race meeting? I know you've got your purple and your number, yeah. Um, and and your affinity with with uh, with hats, but uh, yeah. And and bags of salad. But any anything yep. else? Um, and we've had all sorts of weird ones, and I've even adapted weird ones thanks to talking to dumb people.
2: It's a weird one, a rude one, maybe. <laughs> when i started racing cars again i had a girlfriend and we'd sleep in a van so i didn't really get much uh, action when i raced i thought that would mean i'd had more testosterone in the day but actually i don't think it was good now i'm a free man (laughs) i sort myself out in the morning i feel great so when i get to a race track i'm pretty chilled (laughs) that's a weird one (laughs) I don't really have to explain it in a, in a better way, but I recommend it. It's it hey, the last ever time. episode. You know, you yeah. So you know, and today on, on Motorsport
1: Self Help, yeah. Chris,
2: <laughs> start the day with. No, uh, I get it. I get well, it. there's some the sort of scientific, nice scientific reason there for and, sure. You know, like, like I say, I just it's it's tough. I have to get up at five forty five instead of six. Uh, well, yeah, I'm nice and relaxed when I get to the track and ready to race. <laughs> oh God, I love you, guys. Yeah, the, the danger will come if I get a girlfriend, she'll I, I don't actually have to not stay with me, but or I don't know. I can't see many girls gapping at five forty-five in the morning to uh, give me a hand. <laughs> <laughs> but now I won't do it otherwise. I, now, now I know I have to do it.
1: Yeah, don't don't put that do it on it. your Tinder profile for sure. Yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah would you like getting up in the morning to help a racing car driver oh you mean mechanics no <laughs> but yeah that's that's my my only sort of core one I, at the moment i i used to have loads of weird ones i used to race with certain bracelets and all that sort of stuff but you know it's 20 something years now they've all gone so no i just just try and chill i again i used to drink a load of energy drinks and stuff like that and what do you mean used to i one a day one a day now one a day but you know i used to be like nah let's get like really hyped up but now i'm like nah i just 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 try and chill out and um uh yeah and just just be prepared really um cool i know you asked about the toilet one but that since listening No, that's, to podcasts everyone, certain more...
1: drivers have their own well, things, right. yeah.
2: So I do. Again, because I'm at the track so much, I actually do have a particular toilet that is my toilet. Um, <laughs> but I don't use it on race days. Because... Don't use it in the morning on a race day, everyone. We <laughs> well, no, luckily we don't stay at the track because otherwise, yeah, you know, I'd be in the shed trying to finish the job. But um, no, <laughs> I uh...
0: – Now you know the real reason
2: why that there's no camping with street cars. Exactly, exactly. Um No, so I always use the same toilet when I'm up there working the car, which is pretty much the whole time. But I don't when I'm racing I don't seem tend to worry so much. I've even started using yours, Brent, but it's a bit weird, the doors are funny. I I I don't know.
1: Yeah, you don't quite fit in. You don't,
2: and I'm not a tall guy, I'd be like, Jesus, it's a bit bit tight in here. But yeah, so that I have a particular toilet that is mine. I use it pretty much every day when I'm at the track. But I've tried to break that cycle after listening to this podcast because I I'm like, nah, that's I don't need that shit in my life. So, cool.
1: there you go. All right. And uh, now we've completely wrecked any ratings we ever had. Uh, back to you, Shane.
0: I just don't know
2: where we can go from there. Like, that's... <laughs> it's a tip. It's a tip. And it's, you know, men and ladies, it works. There you go. Through extensive studies by Chris. <laughs>
0: on, I just need to turn my camera back on just so you can see the face I'm making right now. <laughs> Yeah. At least I didn't ask him if he was single. <laughs> well, he answered it himself. I did answer on myself, yeah,
2: it's fine.
0: Yeah. Um, Alright. <laughs> we need to move on. Um, <laughs> oh. <laughs>
1: it's worse than I think it was worse than when Ducky was on.
0: Oh Ducky. That was a oh.
2: that was a
0: smelly episode. Look, all right. So every episode we ask, I ask the question of, uh, <laughs> what can you just come, you please, <laughs> <laughs> Oh God, you broke him. You broke me as well, to be honest. Oh, okay. um, look, every every episode we we ask, yeah, I guess you know, if there was one driver you could receive, you know, driver coaching from. Um, or to be partnered, let's say, in an enduro. Don't say Ron Jeremy. Um, oh, that guy's horrible. Yeah, let's just move on, please. Um, you could be partnered with an enduro or to get driver training off. Any driver from any era of motorsport, any category whatsoever, dead or alive, we'll bring them back. Yep. Who would you want to be? Uh,
2: Who would you want it to be? so who would you want to be sorry um I I have a bit of a weird love hate relationship with F1 and funny if it's only in the last year with Brent I've actually started watching it again I kind of lost lost my faith but I've always followed it it's always been my thing. but I love 60s 70s F1 that that was always I think they're the the true true sport and Jim Clark has always been regarded as pretty much the purest most talented racing driver to have lived um even though he was a Scotsman and I don't know about that but I think I would like to speak with him um the other guy no you only get one no I know I know but this is my thing I I, oh, I can't even think of his bloody name now um Dan Gurney Dan Gurney do you know you even forget Jim Clark to drive with because I think I would love to just watch him. Like when you watch the old stuff with the pedals, he was just amazing. Dan Gurney knew and raced with everyone. Everyone, like every single documentary I've ever watched on Formula One, Dan Gurney's in it because he knew Jim Clark. He knew everyone, Jackie Stewart. He, He just raced with the lot. A great guy. They were all his friends. Dan Gurney, I think I would like to spend some time with Jim Clark to drive with. If I'm allowed to, I will have two. only allowed one. Cool. We'll mix them together. Can't do that. Okay. Okay. Um, yeah. To race with Jim Clark. Okay. So Jim Clark, final yeah. answer, lock yeah. it in. Yeah. Okay. okay. Oh, but then Gilles Villeneuve, ah, oh, I don't know. So the funny thing about our sport, I, and it's probably, it's a harsh thing. It's a harsh thing. Some of our greatest drivers didn't get to do their greatest things because they were killed and that that's a sad thing but my god there's some guy you you may not remember there was a guy that raced with uh jackie stewart uh, francois server he apparently was going to be the next big thing and everyone loved him but he died the last race jackie stewart was ever going to do and you think what could he have done and i think that's that's Maybe the sad part of our sport is that some of our greatest talent never became as great as they could be. So I'd like to see some of them come back just to just to see. But that's more than That's three. So I don't care. I've given you three. <laughs> uh,
0: I can truly call you a wanker because yep, you are. I am. Um...
1: <laughs> Explain some of those weird streetcar posts with all the different uh, – um... What do you call them? Pages in the in the screenshots.
2: Ah, oh, yeah. No, well, I'll never live that one down. I was even going to start <laughs> thinking about doing one recently. I was like, do you know what? I can't be bothered with the back chat now. So I've had to dump. Oh man, just a,
1: yeah, like the other one, the one. Uh, yeah, we won't go into that one. That one annoyed me. Do you what know my anyway. favourite
2: one of them all? But no one even noticed. Only Shane noticed. Was when I did the picture of Auto Action sitting on the toilet. And no one noticed. No one ever noticed the fact I'm sitting on the toilet and I took a picture of the auto-action results because you have to look at the picture fully. Shane is the only person that actually went, Does anyone else notice he's on the toilet? I thought that would be my most hilarious moment. No, apparently not.
1: That's what makes it even more hilarious. I know,
2: I know. I just, it's just (laughs) subtle. I like that kind of, I do something and people won't notice for a year, maybe. That's just the way. Like no one's noticed the fact that my, Tire sizing on the side of my car also says uh, that you have to have a twelve-inch penis, but no one noticed. I've raced for a year with that number on the side of it, and um, no one notices. But you know, maybe one day someone will. And on that note, yeah, Yeah, yeah,
1: hopefully the eligibility officer doesn't come around with the measuring stick and find out that uh, you're lying, just like Subway is.
2: Yeah, I know, I know. Uh, Also, that's Craig now, so I hope not. <laughs> Definitely going to end the episode on I don't want it measured. Thank you. thank you.
0: Thank you. Thank you very much for coming on. <laughs> yeah, um, literally. A brand new yeah, bad choice I was going to it here. Thanks for listening, folks. <laughs> yeah. Shane here from behind the sport. Thanks for listening to our latest episode. If you don't already follow us, head on over to Facebook and Instagram. Find us on there. Give us a follow or visit our website behindthesport.net, catch up with the latest motorsport news, find all of our previous episodes, and of course you can leave us comments on those as well. You can also find us on your favourite podcast provider, such as Amazon Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, iTunes, and more. Thanks for listening. We'll catch you next time.